welcome to The Organised Family, the podcast series brought to you by Stuck On You, the original name label company loved by families around the world. As your personal assistant to kickstart a more organised life, we'll be discussing recipes, parenting, home organisation tips and other exciting topics. Take us with you. Hi, I'm Fee from The Organised Family and today we're interviewing Nicole Avery, founder of the website planningwithkids.com. We're going to be covering all the important topics related to family planning for the school holidays. Holiday time can be fun, but it can also be stressful for parents. So we'll discover the most important things to keep in mind when planning for the holidays. We'll also cover suggestions for activities such as cooking with your kids, as well as how to best manage your children's use of technology. So if you want your family to get the most out of the school holidays, stay listening to The Organised Family. Nicole Avery is a Melbourne mum with five children, ranging from 18 to 8 years of age. She juggles family life with running her website planningwithkids.com. She's also written a book, Planning With Kids, that outlines how to plan family life better so everyone is more relaxed and happier. Nicole, welcome to The Organised Family. How far in advance do you start planning the school holidays for your family? I guess it just depends on what we're doing. We don't go away every school holiday. So for the school holidays where we're not going away, um, it's probably about two weeks in advance I like to do. Mainly because if we want to book into anything, things do book in really fast. And also it's about trying to fit in the things I want to in the weekend, sorry, over the school holidays without it being too crowded. So about two weeks out, I'll have a look. We also have a bit of a family meeting. We'll discuss what we want to do. And I'll start to pencil in a few things that are really important to me. If we're going away, so for example, the holiday uh, next coming up, it's a longer time we're going away. I actually booked that at about April, so sort of nine months out. So, you know, for those bigger things, especially when you're booking for families, it's so much cheaper if you can get ahead. And also, too, you know sort of what you might want to do and your plans over the school holidays because you can keep your eye out for fairs and stuff because, you know, with families becomes everything's multiplied. So keep your eyes out earlier, the earlier you can do that. Um, it's also with school holiday programs, the earlier you do it, the earlier bird bookings are much cheaper. So it's about two weeks out for school holidays, you're staying home and longer, obviously, if you're going away. We can't always get out and about every day to keep the kids entertained. So what are some of your suggestions for activities you can do at home? Um, at home, I like to keep it really simple because I think I've gone through stages where I've just tried to do everything. And I see the school holidays as a, a real opportunity for us to spend some time together. Um, very, very conscious, though, that if we stay in the house too long together, that we get a bit cabin fever. But some of the things we like to do, are like, you know, we're, we're like board games. So Cluedo is huge. You know is huge. Also, the kids still love it if I do things that they do. And I will say, like, you know, like simple things like going out and just jumping on the trampoline with them, actually playing in the backyard cricket game. You know, if they're playing hide and seek inside the house, like if they're wet, if it's wet weather, my kids offer nothing more than if I join in with that. And, you know, during school holidays when things are at a slower pace, even if, you know, it's small, it's 10, 15 minutes, it really actually then I find if I just spend 10, 15 minutes, it's almost like building up a bank of time, then they're really much happier to go off and play more on their own. So little things like that tend to give us, um, you know, a lot of happiness. Cooking can be a great activity to do with the kids. What are some of your ideas you have to entertain the kids in the kitchen? And how do you avoid the fights over who cracks the eggs? 
Cooking with the kids is fabulous because it tends to entertain them while they're cooking and then there's something to eat at the end as well. And you do have, I guess for us, you know, we've got an age gap, you've got skill sets all differently. So something that we've done over the last few school holidays is almost have like a cafe day, what we call a cafe day. So we'll sit together and it's me and the younger three. So we're looking at ages sort of from eight, 11 and 14, but we've also done it when they've been sort of, you know, five, eight and nine, that sort of stuff. Um, and we'll sort of talk about what are we going to make? And when we're making things, it's as simple as like sandwiches, it might be fruit juice, it might be some bickies or scones. Scones are super easy for kids to cook, those sorts of things. And one will be more responsible for cooking that item with me than the other. So they'll sort of choose things and even things like milkshakes and that sort of stuff. So I find what we can do is we can separate the time out. So then one is in the kitchen cooking with me, the other one might come and set the table, the other one might write up the menus. And it becomes collaborative without competing time demands. And that sort of, you know, it sounds like it might take a lot of time, but really it's, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. And then you've actually sit down and you've got some lunch and, you know, and then they have to do tidy up as well, um, get them teaching and that sort of stuff. And I find, you know, that way you can then like scones you make for the littlest ones. You know, my daughter, who's a much more uh, experienced cook, she will actually even sit alongside us and cook something completely on her own. And that all comes from small steps. You know, you start with things like squeezing lemons and squeezing oranges, grating carrot. They all then build up to bigger skills when they can cook bigger things. I'm not a very crafty person, so I always worry that I'm not going to have the kind of crafty things that my kids are going to want to use in the holidays. How do you handle that? What do you do? Look, it's interesting because, you know, you can spend so much money on crafty yeah. stuff and then you have these creations that you have in your house for about a week and then you go, when can I put that in the bin? Yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, and look, fair play, I have, we do have some crafty stuff in the house. But what I tend to do in the lead up to the school holidays is I look at what would I would normally put in the recycling bin and I'll get a big box and I'll put things aside. So, you know, wash out some jars, wash out some plastic tubs, if you've got any, you know, boxes, that sort of stuff because that's actually a lot more interesting to make and it actually makes kids use their creativity a lot more. And then you can add in to the things that you've got in the house. Like you might, you know, with, um, you know, you might go out into the shed, you've got little bits of sticks and stuff. And I'm also really keen for my kids to use things like hot glue guns, um, hammer and nails, all obviously supervised. And if you can build up a whole stock of that sort of stuff, by the time school holidays comes around, you actually don't even have to purchase anything. You may have some, you know, stray pipe cleaners, um, you know, some pom-poms, that sort of stuff. But kids can get really super creative I think and probably also more so with things you know I guess weird looking objects as opposed to if it looks like it's you know it's all meant to look like it this sticks here and that sticks here they'll put something together and they'll spend a lot longer time if they have to actually have a think about it and put it together themselves. What do you think are some of the most important things to keep in mind when planning for the school holidays? Well, I always like to have a bit of a, like a bit of a, just a check in the house because obviously home kids eat so much more food. Um, so I like to have a bit of a stock up of the pantry and that works really well to put things in that, you know, the kids like to cook. So, you, you know, I don't normally ice my cakes, but I'll make sure I've got icing sugar because if they're going to make a cake, they certainly want to ice it. That's the whole fun of the cake. So I'll do a bit of a stock take of the pantry, make sure that's all stocked, stocked up. I will, um, you know, also then um, make sure that we've got the bits and pieces, you know, things like icy pole sticks and that sort of stuff that are really good for creating. Sometimes we go to a place called the Reverse Art Truck and there's lots of those in the local area. They're generally run by um, not-for-profits that take in goods and bits from factories um, and they you buy, go buy a big bag of it for $20 and there's wood scraps and that sort of stuff. So I may go out and we may one weekend and buy a lot, a lot of 
that sort of stuff. Um, also, too, as it gets closer to the school holidays, and generally it's the first weekend of the school holidays, I like to get the kids to declutter their rooms. And it sounds like how not fun is that for school holidays, but it works really well for a few reasons. When you're all at home, the house tends to get messier, which I think gets on most mum's nerves. It certainly gets on mine. So I don't expect the house to be perfect, but I find if we've got a good base to start with the school holidays, that makes everyone a bit happier. Decluttering is always great because, you know, you, you do have a, a whole high churn of things coming into the house. And unless you have some sort of key things in your calendar to declutter, it builds up really quickly. And the other thing about decluttering is, is kids will find stuff they haven't seen for ages. So therefore, that's already got them some new stuff to play with that they haven't played with for a while. It gives you a really good base to start off the school holidays with. What are some good options when taking kids out? Because of our age group, we have to really think um, about what we do. So we've got kids from 18 to 8. Now, obviously, the 18-year-old's not hanging out with us a lot, and neither is the 16-year-old, but we've still got to span from 14 to 8. So it's about thinking about which things are we all going to enjoy. So we like to tend to do a, a mix of paid and free. And we have a family meeting at the start of the school holidays and we talk about, um, okay, so who wants to do what? And so everyone gets a little bit of a say. So they all get to choose a paid one and a free one. And from there, then we work things out. So often on, there's always a movie. The kids always want to go and see a movie. And so we're pretty strategic about that. We'll generally go on a Tuesday. We'll go early in the morning because sometimes we'll take a couple of friends along and that sort of stuff. And what I've found is sometimes the 14-year-old wants something very different to what the 8-year-old sees. So if you go early in the morning in a local place, often what you can find is there's a movie on that's more for the younger kids and a movie on for the older ones. So the older ones will go in, I'll go in with the younger ones and we can knock that off and get that done. We also like to have, I guess, a you know, do sort of one sort of a major activity. So it might be going to like a water slide park or a theme, you know, we don't have theme park per se, but Luna Park or something like that. One sort of biggish thing. And then we really fill it in with just small things. So we'll visit our local library. We love our local library. Um, we've got a great local pool as well that has a school holiday program in terms of just in the afternoons during the school holidays it has like you know you can jump from the diving boards and that sort of stuff we also visit community houses we've got great community houses around here on little local art centers so those sorts of things we book in advance and they also have a family activity so we've made like family artwork together we've made um, some a collage we've made a painting those sorts of things and then we'll just do some random stuff so we might just pop on a train look at the map and think think okay we've never been to Sandringham before so we're going to pop on the train go to Sandringham have a picnic lunch we'll take our own lunch with us that keeps it nice and cheap and we'll go and explore somewhere where we never visited before and the train trip itself can be a highlight can't it oh, absolutely I know my kids love that yeah, so and even, you know, that's, we've done bus because we don't do bus, we normally do train. So if you're mixing it up and doing a bit of bus and a bit of train, we've even done a ferry before as well. Those things that actually don't cost a lot when you're actually just going to point A to point B. But for kids when they've never done it, it's a huge fun thing for them to do. Do you have any tips for working parents? As I know, school holiday time can be a real juggle for them. It's such a hard, yeah. you know, because we've got both parents working and you've only got limited amount of leave. You have to get really strategic with when you take your leave. And you also want to have some time together as a family. So um, what I, I mean, obviously I work from home, so I have a level of flexibility, but there are times when I need to work. So um, using your friend network is a really important thing. And I think as women, sometimes we don't want to ask for help. And the first thing I say is, you know what, if you are thinking, God, I'd really like to ask someone, there'd be another mum out there thinking exactly the same thing. Because obviously school holiday programs can get expensive and sometimes kids don't want to be in there all the time so you know notice is the biggest thing possible so you know 
a month at least or so out, you know, have a chat to other mums who we know are working. And even if you don't, you don't have to do the whole holidays because that can feel too restrictive. If you just lock in one day each, you know, it might be the Monday of, the, of that and it makes it slightly easier. Family is the same as well. Um, and, you know, often family don't want to be locked into doing, you know, I've got sisters and I, and I actually do it now for my sisters who did it for me when I was, when I was back in the workforce. But give them the notice. And I often find an email or a text with some advance warning and an explanation and it gives people the pressure is off a bit and they can actually go okay well then I've got a chance here to answer and you know have negotiations on on my terms and the other thing too is there is really fantastic school holiday programs now that you don't necessarily have to just you know it's not just going and they're going doing day in day out activities there's coding programs there's you know craft all sorts of stuff but that just requires you know doing a bit of search in advance and looking in your area and knowing your child because obviously kids you know think it's school holidays it should be something for them so that way you can try and get you know they're doing something more that is interesting to them and then you've obviously got the cover that you need for work. I know a lot of parents struggle with the use of technology in the household over the holidays do you have any strategies for managing this without starting World War Three? Look, you know, technology, I think, is up there as one of the biggest banes for um, families. And, you know, as parents, sometimes, you know, it just gives us that peace that we need. We need, we might need to get a couple of things done. But what I've found is best to have, and what works best for us, and obviously every family is different, is that we have, I guess, an allocated amount of time per day during the school holidays. And it's what we call technology time. So that embraces pretty much every sedentary activity. So it's the iPad, the iPod, the phone, because you have to make it black and white because kids will find the grey, and it's the computer and it's the Xbox and all those sorts of things. And I generally have it in the afternoon because I like us to get out and about in the morning, especially if the weather is nice, get out and about and have some physical activity. And then they've got an hour and a half. They have an hour and a half a day. And sometimes we might split it up. And then we also try to make sure that we have one technology day free. And, you know, during the school holidays, is generally going to be a day when you're out. And so I'll always sort of go, okay, well, Wednesday, we're pretty much going to be out of the house all day. That'll be our techno-free day. And everyone sort of knows. Because I find the best thing with kids is to manage their expectations. If one day they have four hours and the next day you give them nothing, then that's when big, the battle comes. And they go, well, what am I doing now? And can I have some now? Or when can I have it? Or whatever. So, you know, by having a plan, the kids know exactly what they got. They know they're normally going to have it in the afternoon. It's certainly going to be first thing in the morning. Um, and I find that that eliminates a lot of the nagging and eliminates a lot of the pressure and like, can I go on now? Can I go on now? Can I go on now? So try a plan is my advice. And, um, you know, and whatever the limits might be different for different ages, obviously my older kids, secondary kids have a very different plan, but this is the primary kids I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, tweak something for your family and give it a whirl. I know in the school holidays with everyone on top of each other for long periods of time, kids can start to fight. What do you do to try and avoid that? That's one of the things that I really like to plan at school holidays is to make sure we have a mix of days home and days out because it's wonderful to be at home and my kids do like to be at home. They like days where they can just laze around long in their pyjamas, where we can just play Lego and board games and stuff. Too many days of that in a row and everyone starts to get on everyone's nerves. So I like to sort of not have sort of, you know, no more than two days at home and then we sort of get out and do something. And also too, you tend sometimes to see that something's building and so then I'll just say to the kids, you know what, we've been inside for a long time, outside and play with the dog. And I think as parents, sometimes we forget we can say that. You can go, you know what, you actually can just get outside. Or it'll be, you know what, 
I'm going to take the dog for a walk. Two of you can come with me. We'll go for a walk around there. You know, I'll just separate the ones that I can see that there's something building with. And, you know, and it's sort of also too, we've also, when there has been times we've had rains and stuff, we have um, a bit of a no violence rule in our house. No one should ever be hitting. But sometimes things do, does get to the point where the kids do, you know, give each other a whack. And we have what we call an active violence job. So if you have whacked someone, you then can basically pops go, it'll be like, I'll, I'll find something. It could be unstack the dishwasher or fold the washing. And it just makes them have a bit of a think about maybe I shouldn't have whacked someone. Maybe I should have thought of a different way of solving that problem. Where do you think families can sometimes go wrong when they're planning activities for the school holidays? We try to do too much. We want to give them the best school holidays possible. And sometimes we, I think when we feel we're staying at home, oh, and the kids aren't getting very much because we're just staying at home. So we jam-pack them so full that by the fourth day of the school holidays, we're literally dragging ourselves out of the house and the kids don't really want to go anymore. And you go into activities and you're so invested in them that even if things start to go a bit wrong, you persevere and no one actually has a good time. So I think with parents, we need to be flexible. You know, we need to have some time away and some time you know, out of the house and some time home. And we also need to think it's completely fine to pull out of an activity if it's going wrong, especially if it's a free one. Obviously, if you're paid, you're a little bit more dollar invested. But if you've just decided to go off and it might be a, a local activity, don't be afraid, especially when I had little ones. Like, you know, because you've travelled maybe half an hour to get there, you think you've got to stick it out. But that actually tends to make the rest of the day a nightmare for everyone because the fallout from a bad experience tends to roll on and on. And the other bit of advice would be is to be don't be afraid to let the kids get bored like I'm really happy for my kids to say you know I'm a bit bored and it's like okay well you know we actually have these what I call um on board lists because I actually did get one one there's always one child more than others that finds it more difficult to get started once kids get started they're generally very good at keeping occupied it can just be what am I going to do and they get a bit of a loss and I find that happens the most as soon as they get off technology, I think, because they've been so used to be stimulated. Um, so often having something for kids to do after their technology time, it may be that that's when they go out and play with a dog and automatically something to get into. You prevent that on board thing. The other thing we have is I have a couple of lists, one for the 8-year-old and one for the 11-year-old. We built those lists together and there are a list of things that they like to do and activities we have in the house that don't really involve anybody else and that one person because sometimes just in the moment they can't think of anything so during the school holidays we'll print those out they'll be on the fridge and they'll give me the onboard call and I'll go have you checked your list and then it's off to them because often we think as parents they've come to me on board now I need to fix that problem it's actually no they can go fix it themselves those lists just help them a little bit not just sit and do that whole whiny whiny thing about on board on board on board you know on that Sometimes you just have to play a bit of chicken with them and just push them into that corner and go, you know what? And that's what I also find too. The words we use as parents can be really um, powerful. So instead of saying, oh my gosh, can't you find anything to do? It's like, you know what? You're so clever. I am sure you can go away and think, think of something to do you're so creative what about your creations you like to do go and have to think about that and sort of put it back into the minimal positive light and I find I get a better result from that as well what activities do your kids love doing the most and does it change depending on the season we do have things that vary, vary on season, like obviously in summer the kids are outside more, so they'll be more on the trampoline, they'll be more outdoor cricket, um, there'll be more things like uh, the water bombs also are, are pretty fun, that sort of stuff. We don't have a pool, but the, my kids are still happy to get out, we've got a, a slip inside, that sort of stuff. Those are sort of outside stuff where in summer, we're not going to catch them doing that in winter. Winter, you know, we are more sort of probably inside, but I think throughout the whole year we have some really consistent ones that my kids like. 
Lego is a massive one. I guess with five kids over 18 years, we've built up a huge Lego and we have it all bundled into a big sheet. So I pull the sheet out, lay the sheet flat and everyone just goes. And sometimes it's really nice to give kids a space to have somewhere to put their creations and I find they create more. So we've got a little shelf. And so over the school holidays, you'll find just Lego creations pretty much all over the different rooms in the house. And that works really beautifully. We also, um, over the school holidays, we'll often do a large puzzle. My kids quite like to do puzzles. So we've got this big piece of um, a wooden board that we can put because obviously if you're building you know a puzzle on the dining table and then dinner comes you've got to do something with it so we'll put that in a room somewhere in a corner and it's funny everyone will just pop through it by at some point and just do a few bits and pieces and you'll find that one person's there so someone else then goes over and doing a puzzle and that's like those sort of things are really great for getting kids to do stuff together without it being too organized and my kids also do love to do creations so they'll use recycled materials and they'll build things and I guess that's where over school holidays I have to let go a little bit of the house being as clutter free as what I would normally like it because they will work on things and they'll want to spend a few days on it and keep building it up and stuff so I need to let that go and even though my youngest is only as eight now cubby houses inside are still phenomenally fun and you know I will be the fun mum as I like to call it and they'll can sleep in the cubby house at night um those sorts of things just if you know what I find my kids like to do the most is just a slightly different spin on the normal so sleeping in the cubby house it might be that we have picnic lunch outside those sorts of things keep them super entertained at home that actually don't cost anything and a very little effort what are some routines that are important to keep over the holiday period Look, as much as I love routine, I do really think that school holidays are a great time for kids to have to break away from that. I myself, I'll even break away from mine. I normally do a lot of weekly prep on the on the weekends, but I won't make any of the food. We'll just go on a natural, more of a, I guess, a slower pace. The aim for me during school holidays is to slow it down. And with routine, um, sometimes you can feel like you're always just the next, the next, the next, the next, the next. And I think school holidays is a great opportunity for kids to have a little bit more control. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, you know, they can't run completely wild. Um, but, you know, it's sort of like, yep, yeah, we get up in the morning, go through breakfast, everyone still needs to take their stuff away from the table so I'm a bit of a stickler for those sorts of routine elements so looking after themselves they still do their jobs they still need to bath my kids would sometimes love to wake up with not having showers and baths but no they still need to bath but it'll just run on a more fluid time scale and I think that you know at even a bed at night time and stuff it, there's a nice opportunity for more family time because obviously my husband's not home on school holidays so it might be after dinner we, we do sit around the table and play a game for an hour so bedtime is much later but I think it's worth it for those family memories that you can build up in that time you're listening to the organized family podcast this is nicole avery from planningwithkids.com and we'll return in just a moment i love my second year awards chart it's got my name printed on it and when you do a good job you get to stick it if mum and dad say i get to choose a sticker for my reward chart when i do things like feed the dog lay the table, empty the dishwasher, clean my room and pack my bag for school. Order your Stuck On You reward chart online at www.stuckonyou.biz. We're talking with Nicole Avery from planningwithkids.com. We're hoping, Nicole, you can answer some questions our followers have sent in. Firstly, I have one from Shelley from Brisbane who asks, taking kids to a play or trampoline centre or even the local pool can get really costly. What are some of your suggestions for low-cost activities away from the home? 
yeah, it does get costly because, you know, some entry prices for places are $20 plus. Now, at five kids, that's $100 before you've even done anything. So I completely relate to, to that as well. So I always find the the councils put on fabulous stuff in Australia, and I think it's probably New Zealand and stuff as well. Um, the, you know, Federation Square in Melbourne, for example, you look up, you know, Melbourne City Council, they have a range of free activities, although they might be really low cost. The trick is often with them is booking in early. So these are where, if you know you're on a budget for the school holidays, start your planning a little bit earlier. So we'll do those. Um, the libraries are fantastic. I think people think they can only go to the, their library, but we've often made a tour of other libraries because they're especially now, the way they're being designed, new libraries, they're not just about books. They're really interactive. They've got a lot going for them. You I was in the Docklands Library recently. It's got a ping pong table and all sorts of things. So you have a look around the area and just sort of Google libraries that are not too far from you. You don't have to travel too far. But, you know, our local one has a massive chessboard. So you can go there and actually make going there and not, you know, yes, you can hire out some books, but you can spend like over an hour there doing different things, which is wonderful. Local community houses are also a great source of cheap entertainment as our local pools. And it's also just about um, there's different sites like Groupon and stuff that will actually have um, like family voucher tickets. If you know you want to go to a particular place, just do searches and do, for example, Luna Park, um, you know, discount code, those sorts of things. You'll be amazed what will come up. And you can save, even if it's like $30, $40, that's, that's a big saving for a family. Kate from Auckland asks, could you recommend any good websites you use for holiday inspiration and activities? So I'll break it down to uh, travel-based. So for travel-based, um, there's a blog called Why Travel Blog, which I love to look at. It's um, written by Australian family, a uh, husband and wife team. They've travelled all around Australia. They've travelled extensively over the world, and they're currently doing a US tour. So there's pretty much not many places they haven't visited, and they tend to write really good from a family eye and on a budget sort of stuff too because they spend so much time travelling. So I find that to be a really, really good resource. Um, there's a lots of... Uh, sort of like I guess local blogs that I follow in terms of my area so hot, hot or not is one for Melbourne but if you just googled your cat, your city name and kids activities that tends to bring up a lot of stuff that you will want to find um, I even find the just before the school holidays the newspapers have lots of good guides as well that are worth following and have great tips um, there's some sites like Kidspot Essential Kids which are bigger websites that tend to have lots of sort of school activities you know, especially over the summer, what sort of um, different activities are going on. But my best advice is if you're looking for something specific, um, Google it, um, you know, playgrounds, be really specific because I usually just Google our best playgrounds, but best playgrounds for 10-year-olds, that sort of stuff. The more specific you get, the better information you're going to get. Sonia from London asks, I have three kids and deciding on what activities we're going to do often ends up in fights and disagreements. Any suggestions for gaining consensus? Yeah, we've got the, um, I think I mentioned it briefly, our family meeting process that we use. So we'll have a family meeting, depending on, if we're staying home in the school holidays, we'll generally do it about two weeks before, it allows us the booking in factor, and everyone gets to choose, and when I say everyone, it's mainly my younger three now, but it did at one point, used to be five, uh, gets to choose one free and one paid activity. And my kids know by paid, it doesn't mean, you know, $100 per child, they know what the budget sort of is for our family, and you need to make that clear, because 
kids don't understand that otherwise. Um, and so what happens is everyone will put forward their ideas and um, we then make a bit of a plan. So sometimes, you know, the 14-year-old's not overly keen on what we're doing one day because it's really something aimed more at the eight-year-old. But she sort of knows that a few days later it's going to be her activity. So I find that works really, really well. And then when it comes to the free activities we do, um, they don't even have to be outside of the house. But it could be something that your child particularly loves to do. And, you know, that way it's almost like they can get a massive block of time with your parent um, and you can block it out for them. So my 14-year-old daughter loves to sew. I'm not a great sewer, but I know my way around machine. So, we, you know, my boys have got no interest in it, the younger two. So they'll go off and play something for themselves and that helps sort out that one. But the boys will then actually want me to go and spend an hour or two playing cricket in the backyard and then we can go and do that. Because often what I find when you ask kids a lot about what they want to do, a lot of it actually is more about spending time with you. What have you personally lost that you wish you'd labelled? Oh, it still makes me sad even thinking about it. A very expensive sports watch. Oh, no. Yeah, I took it off at a gym just because it was aggravating when I was trying to do an exercise and left it there and it never, ever returned. Thanks to Nicole Avery from planningwithkids.com for sharing her great tips on how to survive the school holidays. If you'd like to find out more about how to plan better for family life, head to planningwithkids.com. Puts name labels on loads of things so I don't lose it, like my school books, on my pencil case, on my pencils, on my all my clothing, um, and even on my fidget spinner. Order your stuck-on-you name labels online at www.stuckonyou.biz. Thanks for sticking with us. You've been listening to the Organised Family podcast brought to you by Stuck On You, helping you kickstart a more organised life. Hit us with your thoughts on social media at stuckonyou.com. We're a social bunch. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter to stay in touch.